Hello and welcome to the podcast. I'm your wonderful host, Ashaya, and I'm here with my fantastic guest. Would you like to introduce yourself? Ah, uh, yes. Hi, my name is Lars, and I am a rutabaga. So, Lars, I've been told you wanted to come onto this podcast to educate people on what life is like as a rutabaga. That is correct. People nowadays are very naive in general, especially about rutabaga, and I want to help change that. Okay, so with that in mind, would you like to get started? Yes. So, to begin, humans have unique family structures, but I don't think that many of us really consider if vegetables have the same. What I'm curious about is if you have any friends or family. Well, a lot of rutabaga and other plants I grew with are still very close to me, so I guess you could say we're like our own little family. I don't know my parents, but growing up on the same farm, all those crops are pretty much considered each other's family. What are your relationships like with your family on the farm? Uh, our relationships are pretty basic. We bicker and argue sometimes, but at the end of the day, we all care about each other. Of course, considering everyone family makes romantic relationships kind of hard. Nobody really dates where I come from. There's a little food pun for you. Anyways, none of us Rutabaga know who our parents are, so anybody could be your brother or sister. Other than that, our family relations are very similar to humans. My family and I live on a small farm here in Washington because the p- climate is perfect for growing rutabaga. So on this farm, do you have a favorite season? Uh, I love cold weather. That's when I grow best. So I'll have to say winter. It's so snowy and cold. I love it. Fortunately, because I'm a root plant, I'm underground so I can keep myself and all my energy warm. Now that we know you like cold weather, I'm assuming that's going to factor into my next question. Where are you from, Lars? Oh, well, I'm originally from Sweden. That's where rutabaga grow primarily. And like I said earlier, I now live on a small farm in Washington. A really nice Swedish family lives there. And I guess I'm kind of there to help them keep in touch with their roots. Do you know anything about your ancestors and where they come from? Well, rutabaga was discovered around Sweden and Russia. Nobody really knows how we started growing. But I'd like to think it was some sort of divine intervention, a greater force telling people about rutabaga and telling them we are, we're important to breed. Luckily, because no one really likes rutabaga, we are a non-GMO plant. Speaking of ancestry and breeding, how does rutabaga reproduce, if you don't mind me asking? Is it similar to other flowering plants where they cross-pollinate? Somewhat, yes. Plants that cross-pollinate with using the anther of one plant and the stigma of the other, rutabaga can actually self-cross-pollinate. Our flowers are able to self-pollinate, but we are always eager to cross-pollinate with other varieties of rutabaga. I noticed you mentioned other varieties of rutabaga. Do these rutabaga have a lot of health benefits? If so, what do they help with? Yes, we help with a lot of things, such as balancing thyroid, helping prevent cancer, providing vitamin C and potassium, fighting high blood sugar pressure, boosting digestive health, and many more. There are lots more I could name, but too many to say. You obviously have a lot of health benefits, but it seems people take it for granted due to so many health supplements available in stores. How do you feel about that? Well, I think it's absolutely ridiculous. People are out here spending so much money on expensive supplements when they could just eat rutabaga for way cheaper. And I mean, food isn't even the only way to use rutabaga, so people nowadays are completely blind to it all. I noticed you said that 
food isn't the only way rutabaga is used. Are rutabagas used in any non-food related ways in holiday traditions, for example? Well, yes. We have been used to carve lanterns for Halloween. I personally think it's weird and terrifying for humans to use this in that kind of way. A lot of European countries use rutabaga and food dishes for holidays as well. With that being said, I feel like this is a good time for an ad from our sponsor, Halloween Town. Halloween Town is your new favorite Halloween supply store. This September and October, we're bringing all your Halloween needs right to you. Costumes, decorations, lanterns, and many more. With one quick stop by Halloween Town. Halloween Town, come let us spook you and your friends. Topic of Halloween, are you scared of anything, Lars? Do you have any fears? Yes, getting eaten by piglets, definitely. My ancestors were fed to them in the past, and that's still being done today. Unfortunately, rutabaga has a lot of nutrients that young farm animals need, so they love to eat us. It's a scary thought, but will probably be how I would go too. So you live on a farm with young farm animals who eat vegetables like yourself all the time. Is there any way for you to protect yourself? Well, I'm unable to fend off against farm animals, but I can fend off against insects, such as the white butterfly. Two components in my leaves can be mixed to create a mustard oil bomb, and the butterflies hate it. Humans, however, like it because it adds to the flavor of mustard. I think it's really impressive you can admit you can't fend off farm animals and that you think you'll be eaten by them one day too. With this in mind, do you believe in an afterlife? Why or why not? And if you do believe there is an afterlife, what would you want it to be like? I believe in an afterlife of sorts. I guess it, I just believe it because it's easier than thinking nothing happens. I believe that when whatever happens to us plants happens, whether we are eaten by humans or animals or bugs or we just rot away, the CO2 that makes us up carries on. I suppose it's kind of like what humans call a soul. The CO2 that once made us up becoming part of another plant is really similar to reincarnation. I believe that cycle of carbon keeps repeating, but I have no clue for how long. That's a really interesting way to think of life after death. I think we're gonna start wrapping things up, so I have one final question for you. How did you get to where you are now, Lars? Oh, well, there's actually a lot of different ways I can answer that. Existentially, I think I got here because of some greater plan that's bigger than any of us. The carbon that makes me up just happened to be part of me, and that set me on this grand path that has gotten me thus far. Made everything in my life happen just right. So I wound up sitting here, in this room, filming this podcast. Physically, it's because somebody drove me here. Well, thank you for coming to my podcast, Lars. I personally feel like I've been enlightened to a lot of things I've never really considered about life as a rutabaga. You've definitely accomplished your mission to educate people about rutabaga. This has truly been a great ex and eye-opening experience filming with you. Thank you again. Well, thank you bunches for having me. My dream for a while has been to educate people. Obviously, I can't be an actual teacher or anything like that, so this has, has been a dream come true. I feel like the world nowadays is pretty ignorant to a lot of things, so any way I can contribute is important to me. So many humans are unaware of so much, not a lot of things get them to listen and think. I hope what I've said here will at least push a few humans to listen and think. Communication is very important. You people need to learn that. So thank you again for having me. I hope what I've said today has moved your listeners enough to view co communication and education 
education at least a little differently.